This is Dan from Burlington, Vermont, and I'm tuning in to the new TNN. She'll wash her hair, his dirty clothes, or all he gives to her. And he's got posters on the walls of all the girls he wished she was. And he needs everything to her, her boyfriend. Pop culture addicts, welcome and welcome back everybody to the new TNN podcast feed. My name is Johnny C and you know what, it's been a spell, uh, a little bit longer than I thought it would be. Uh, you know, I like to like to create a decent amount of stuff each week, but I tell you man, I have hit a brick wall this last week and you know what, I, I, I'm bringing to you a new concept today and I'm going to talk about how we got here. Uh, so just want to say hey and welcome everybody to what I'm calling TNN's Week Speak, which means I'm going to be speaking very weekly like this. Oh god, I don't know, I, I guess it was an okay week. No! So here's the thing. Number one, if you listen to the last episode of Toad Man, you're going to be aware of this. But my special guest for the review of the Hurricane episode of Dawson's Creek was the Ink-Like Scorpion. A parody version of the Black Scorpion, obviously. And uh, doing that voice really fucked with my, my my throat for a couple of days. And then I got sick, woe is me. And then I got writer's block. Okay, I really did. I had zero idea what content to produce. I didn't know what to watch for Ringman. I didn't know what movie to review for Junkman, okay? I am keep putting off Concrete Man's return because I don't know if I need to do In Your House, Beware of Dog, and Beware of Dog 2. I'm thinking just Beware of Dog, but that's not the whole show. But Vince McMahon's not on Beware of Dog 2. And without Vince McMahon, there's no point to doing it. So I just don't know what to do. So I sat down and and I started to, to write down some ideas and I was like, I am just don't want to write down any ideas? I don't want to watch a show right now and take a fuck ton of notes. I kind of, I just kind of got to a boiling point with that. It's all coming back. I'm just saying. So, I was like, but God, I really want to do something. I want to talk to the audience. And so I was like, what have I done this week? What have I watched this week? What have I read this week that I could talk about? So I'm not that everything I've done this week is insanely like great information to have. However, I was thinking, well, I did watch some movies. I did watch kind of some wrestling while doing some other stuff, and I have read some stuff this week too. So it's going to be TNN's week speak because I'm talking about shit that I encountered this week in popular culture. All right. We'll start with movies, we'll transition to professional wrestling, and we'll finish up with reading. All right. Since that's, you know, it's mostly comic books. If that's not your thing, I get it. You could check out there. It's totally fine. But movies and wrestling is what we always talk about anyway. And uh, I will just say this uh, when it comes to the film part, we'll go into it now. Uh, when all of this, all of this totally unscripted, I just literally wrote down what I watched and read. Okay. So everything is free flowing, free form. Uh, so buyer beware, I suppose. But with the movies, I got three movies I watched that I'm going to talk about. I'm going to say spoilers, so be aware when I mention the title if you want to stay away from spoilers, except for the first one I'm going to talk about, okay? So, available now on HBO Max for anyone that's got it going on. Um, You may watch the, 
Academy Award-nominated Golden Globe-winning film, The Banshees of Ereshinan. Uh, God, now I'm, I know I'm probably mispronouncing it, and I apologize. I feel like a fucking dumbass. But uh, it, it's been getting so much press, and I, I've, I watched everything everywhere all at once, but I watched it like a month ago, so I'm not prepared to speak about it because I haven't watched it, you know, freshly enough. And it's a great movie, and, and I spend so much time watching the nonsense that comes out each year, okay? Um you know, shit like Thor. Here's the thing. And what kind of pisses me off is, you know, I've seen Thor Love and Thunder one and a half times this year. Okay. And I did an entire podcast about it over on North South. And then I watched this film and I'm thinking the Banshees. And I think to myself, what the fuck have I been doing with my film going life? Because this is a type of movie that reminds me what movies can be. Um, and it's just as insanely creative as the stuff that's uh, visually striking. Well, I don't know about any more visually striking with Marvel. Uh, but all that stuff that I, you know, the Marvel, the DC comic stuff, it all taps into this nostalgia kick. You know, it's the same thing with the reason I keep up with wrestling. It's all nostalgia and yearning for the fact that it could be good, uh, you know, like it used to be for me when I was a kid. I'd get it and completely obsessed with it and follow it and fucking leave my job early to watch Raw and what have you. Uh, you know, and things like that. But, uh, and the same thing with comics. You know, I grew up reading this shit, and I'm like, oh, I just wish they'd make an X-Men movie. You know, and then they did, and, you know, rinse and repeat. So I'm watching The Banshees, and, and I got to tell you, I'm not going to spoil anything about it, because I want you to go and watch this movie. Um, it's hilarious. It's hilarious in ways that you would not expect. Don't go looking for, like, fart jokes or things like that. I mean, you know, obviously when you say it's a comedy, it could be a lot of things, but it is a... Sad comedy. It is a happy comedy. Uh, Colin Farrell is tremendous. Uh, Brendan Gleeson, as much as I want to root for Kihai Kwan to win the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor as like sort of a sentimental favorite, I think Brendan Gleeson's performance is better. Um, and Kihai's great. Great. So, you know, I just... It, it's a bummer to say that, but I think Brendan Gleeson's got him beat here. Now, the gal who plays... Colin Farrell's sister in the movie, you know, like I said, it's all unscripted, and I don't remember her name off the top of my head, um, I apologize for that, because her performance is great as well, but the whole time I'm looking at her, I'm thinking to myself, I, I know this woman, I, I, I recognize her voice, like, it's, I've seen her, I, I was like, this, I know this woman, she's in, like, a ton of things I've seen, and I, I can't, I can't picture her, well, that's because she's the voice of Tony Stark's AI Friday, now, uh, Carrie, I'm so close, carry something i apologize but uh i mean she's great at this uh, it's just sad to the whole point is tying back to what I, I was talking about earlier it's so sad that i just know this actress uh carrie condon i think her name is as the voice of fucking friday from the marvel stuff it just made me feel like a piece of shit film goer and so I, i'm gonna try to make it my mission to before the oscars watch everything that's nominated for best picture um ironically i've already seen top gun maverick which i'm you know, I guess they got to have 10, so whatever. Um, I just don't know. It was, in a way, it was the best pop film of the year because uh, it made it feel like it used to when when, you, when film was tangible and you could touch it uh, in terms of, you know, they're in jets. Uh, sure, you know, they're not, but they're in jets, you know. They're, they're really doing things. They, they're it's practical 
And uh, so it's probably the best made of the pop. So I guess if you're going to do 10 and you want to consider things like that, yeah, what the fuck? I say go for it. Um, at first, I was re- totally ready to be like, eh, I don't know. But I talked myself into it. Uh, so that's going to end that portion. Uh, I watched Scream 5. So spoilers for Scream 5. All right, I can't do anything about it. Uh, so why did I watch Scream 5? Well, it's a Scream film I've seen the least. And Scream 6 uh, dropped a trailer not too long ago. And it's looking pretty entertaining, in my opinion. I'm really liking uh, what they're doing, with what they've done with Scream. Uh, Jenna Ortega is a fucking entertainment-based magnet right now. So I'm very curious to see... Uh, what comes out of her in this film. I'm wondering if the film is aware of that while they're making it and they make her, you know, the focal point, the centerpiece, or is it still more of an ensemble, you know, with the sister? I don't even know if her older sister is in it, but I'm watching Scream 5 because I needed a primer. I think I'm going to bite the bullet and see Scream 6 in theaters because I don't want to get anything spoiled. Uh, I was lucky enough to not see Scream 5 in theaters but still not get it spoiled. But the first thing I noticed is I pulled up Scream 5 to watch it on like Amazon Prime or something, the little icon for the poster is like, an all-new feature-length film. Folks, that's something you put on the cartoon DVD to convince you that it's a good way to spend your $14.95 so your kid will be occupied for 90 minutes, okay? Your kid loves, like, Arthur or Babar, and you're at the video store, and it's like, Mom, I want to rent Babar the the motion picture. And you're like, oh, is it just two episodes taped together? No, it says right there on the sticker, a new feature-length film. So you're like, sure, let's get you this, and and I'll have 90 minutes of peace and silence. Uh, So I found that kind of embarrassing for the film. But then I was thinking, man, I don't know, like, low-budgeted theatrical releases are such a a fucking mythical creature these days. It's like, maybe people do really need to be made aware that this is, like, a thing. We didn't make it for, like, Paramount Plus or something. Like, yeah, this is something we cared about and released, I promise. Uh, But it's great. I I, I like Jack Quaid as the killer. Um, His teenage associate, I think, is fucking hilarious. Uh... Again, I don't know her name. I'm sorry. You know, like I said, this is like off the cuff. Uh, but she's fucking great. Uh, I do think they should have killed Nev Campbell and or Courtney Cox's characters, Gail Weathers or Sidney Prescott, because eh, eh, I don't know. Like, I, I'm a big scream head. I, you know, I grew up watching it. Um, saw, the first, you know, saw them all in theaters except for four and five because, you know, they came out when I was older and it just, just wasn't happening. But I love the, the meta shit that they do about uh, toxic fandoms and uh, specifically Stab 8 directed by Ryan Johnson that fucking the fandom blew up uh, because I want to see Stab 8, all right? I want to watch Stab 8. Uh, I think it would be insanely entertaining. I'm a huge fan of The Last Jedi, so I'd probably like Ryan Johnson's Stab 8, but that joke hits me every time, and by every time, I mean the two times I've seen it because this is the second time I've watched it. Um yeah, I, I I like the cast here. They've always found good ways to, uh, you know, keep the keep me feeling disconnected from the youth of America, but at the same time feeling connected to them because they they cast good uh, good kids. Um, I had forgotten that this was the big legacy requel one because I you know four it's weird because four sort of stands independently. It shouldn't because it's also directed by Wes Craven, but in my head because it was made so long after one, two, and three, it's like oh yeah, here's like the 
first one of the new trilogy, but it's not. Like, five kind of is. Uh, if they decide to do that direction, I don't think, I don't know, I'm not advocating for that, or fucking I'm speaking out of my ass on that, but, uh, but, you know, I guess spoiler for Scream 4, if you haven't seen it, uh, Jill Roberts, is that her name? No. Is it? Julia Roberts is Emma Roberts. Good God. Uh, she's great as the killer in that. Is Sydney's like, cousin? Who just fucking loses it? And beats the shit out of herself? Like, that is tremendous. And Macaulay Culkin's little brother's pretty good at it, too. And I like Hayden Panettiere. I fell for the Save the Cheerleader, Save the World trap when I was in college watching Heroes. Man, that was a good first season of a TV show, wasn't it? And then, boom. Uh, so, yeah, I definitely would recommend Scream 5. Uh, I guess, you know, that's the whole story there. And I watched Justice League Dark Apocalypse War on HBO Max. This movie was pretty good. Uh, I guess it's like a capper for the DC animated cinematic universe, which I guess was a thing. I've seen a few of these. Um, I saw like Flashpoint, uh, the Death and Return of Superman, uh, the like four full like four hour one. That's pretty good. I mean, it's fine. You know, it is what it is. Uh, I think these DC movies, animated films, are always done uh, with the best of intent and. You know, a lot of them homage the comics very directly, so I think I get a kick out of that. Um, but this Justice League Dark Apocalypse War was definitely their Avengers Endgame. They had tons of characters showing up and not even speaking, but, you know, like Black Manta, Bane. And there's multiple teams that team up, but like uh, the Justice League fails and Darkseid takes over the Earth. And then the Justice League Dark the variation of the Titans, the Suicide Squad, all the DC teams, they have to come together with what's left of them and basically save the multiverse, if you will, or save the Earth um, from you know what's left. And then, uh, I, you know, the, the thing I really like about this is the movie's fine. It writes itself out of a corner, but if you've seen the movie, you'll know what I'm talking about. So it's like the, the conclusion of like a 27-film uh, series, okay? I'm not saying you should watch the 27. I'm just saying I like how they end this thing because this feels like a, an, an event comic, like a crisis or um, just like a big crossover that lasts for like nine months and eats up the line for a long time uh, because it ends with a reboot, uh, which is really nice because that Flashpoint Paradox, most of these are on HBO Max. You know, it's got a really good voice cast like uh, C. Thomas Howe is a reverse Flash. Michael B. Jordan is Cyborg. I forget who's playing Thomas Wayne Batman, but it's not bad. I think they got Carrie Elways as Aquaman, too. That's a pretty insane thing I never knew I needed to hear. Uh, but this erases that because at the very end, they realize they can't actually like save the Earth. Sure, they got Darkseid away from it, but it's too, the damage is done, if you will. And, you know, Constantine's like, look, Flash, you know what you have to do, and, and he does. Flash starts running to reset the timeline because he knows that this one is cooked, all right? Uh, and hopefully we'll get it better the next time. But it's it's this beautiful sort of moment. Yeah, I said beautiful, where all the DC heroes that are still alive kind of catch wind of what he's doing, including ones that could stop him, like Superman or Wonder Woman and what have you. Zatanna, you know, she could cast... A sp- no, Zatanna's dead at this point. I'm sure Constantine could stop, but he... You know, anyway, that's not the point. They sort of just kind of watch it happen. You know, Lois Lane is dead. Uh, Batman, Nightwing is fucking lost it. Batman has been a servant of Darkseid for years. Damien died, but then was resurrected. But, uh, you know, it's it, it just... They're like, you know what? Maybe it's not such a bad idea. And they just watch 
this whiteout come and happen. And this had happened in a lot of stuff. Well, I don't know about a lot of stuff that I read. There was this great uh, X-Men crossover called like a Legion War that led into the Age of Apocalypse where reality is about to be rewritten and all the X-Men just watch the M-Cron's crystalla- M-Cron Crystal's crystallation wave like turn them and they, into diamond and reset the timeline and they all know that it's about to come. And I, again, to see something like that uh, realized in like a full production, I thought was really cool. And this is probably the nerdiest conversation I've ever had out loud. So, you know, you're welcome, everybody out there. Uh, but, you know, that's what I watched, man. That's what Those are the movies that I watched. So now, probably what most people are coming for, we're going to talk about the wrestling. The wrestling that I watched this week. Well, like a lot of people, I, I watched Raw is 30. Raw is triple X. And I watched it with my son who's sort of a uh, in-and-out type of fan. He watches it, you know, when I'm watching it, but doesn't really keep up with it. Uh, He's younger, by the way. Anywho, we're watching it, and the tribal court, the trial of Sami Zayn with the bloodline and Heyman turning the crowd against him, and and it's just, you know what? I don't say this lightly because I, I, I feel like a lot of the modern stuff is so easily disposable. Uh, it might be great, but you could rinse and repeat it. But this is also somebody's like golden era. And I think that segment is definitely a standout segment and worthy of addition to like the lore of great shit. Now, look, that's just my opinion. It doesn't mean a goddamn bit. I'm just saying that it was so well done. Um, and Sammy Zayn at WrestleMania has to be a thing. You know, my son was, I was telling my son, I was like, you know, Sammy Zayn has got to win the Royal Rumble. And he says, well, who would he challenge for? And I said, that's the thing, man. Roman has both belts, so he would be forced to challenge him. And he'd act like he doesn't want to. And then he said, well, how would Sammy win the, win the Royal Rumble? I said, accidentally. Now, I don't know how you pull that off, but that's absolutely what has to happen. Sammy has to win the Royal Rumble accidentally. All right? And then the go to Mania. That's the only story to tell. I'm sorry. Now, look, does it sell? I don't know. It might, because I think the wrestling fan is smarter than you think and more keyed in than you think, especially around this time. Now, I don't know if you're going to get the general public. You're going to have something else to sell this. But I think, I think from a storyline perspective, that's where you have to go. But I don't know. And I think that rhymed. The Taker Wyatt stuff was fun. You know, the American Badass DX and Angle was funny. Uh, The cage match thing. Uh, it's kind of funny. I, I woke, I stood up because I was like, I've been sitting here for an hour. I better go put the fucking laundry away or something. Uh, they're lowering the cage and I'm like, all right, I'm just going to go grab the laundry out of the dryer real quick. I came back up and it was over. I was like, what happened? That's the, that's the whole thing. What happened? And I, I didn't really know. Uh, and then I think I, I bailed on it at some point. I didn't actually watch the actual matches. Uh, once all my nostalgia was kicked in, I was like, cool, this is great. But I've been sitting here for an hour and a half. I need to get, get shit done. Um, you know, so I'm sure it was fine. I'm sure it was entertaining, but my nostalgia interest was peaked and I'm very excited for the Royal Rumble. Now I watched Clash of the Champions 12, Fall Brawl 90, Mountain Madness. That's in like that. Well, first of all, that's the actual name of the show. Let's just slow that down. Clash of the Champions 12, Fall Brawl 90, Mountain Madness. Madness. I don't even know how to punctuate that, okay? But it's the Clash of Champions that takes place 
uh, in September of 1990, where the main event is Sting versus the Black Scorpion. So, as I'm sure you can get from me doing the Black Scorpion on the Toad Man, is that I sort of fell into a Black Scorpion hole. All right. Now, I'm a big Starcade 90 fan. Uh, I've seen that show many times. I'm a huge fan of the UFO that the Black Scorpion Ric Flair is in. I'm a huge fan of Jim Ross constantly fucking up Rey Mysterio's name and calling him Rey Mysteric uh, because they fucking typed it out wrong. And I'm a huge fan of all the typos in all the show because, folks, Starcade 90 Collision Course has uh, a gimmick attached to it where Jim Ross on commentary for each match gives you the Starcade stats. A little graphic of the competitor he's talking about, their weight, their hometown, their some of their big accomplishments, and then some interesting key facts of information you'll need to know for the bout you're about to watch. <laughs> and, oh, man, there are some interesting fucking things. Uh, you've also got, uh, I don't know, Michael Wall Street doing some shit. Uh, the, the Pat O'Connor O'Connor Tournament of the World Universe Championships for tag teams is there. Uh You've got the fake team from South Africa. It's just, it, it's a it's a decent enough show. There's a good street fight between Doom and the Horseman. And the Black Scorpion shit with the special guest referee guy from St. Louis is an all-time, oh my god, this is this is not good. Uh, and you get Polly and JR on commentary. It's good stuff. But, so, uh, but I watched all the Black Scorpion vignettes on YouTube as well. Some crazy bastard clipped them all together, God love you. And, and, you know, you get all the, Sting. Oh, I can't do it because my voice, Sting, how was your week? <laughs> it's awful. But being able to digest it all and watch the whole thing in like 14 minutes is a journey you want to take. So so YouTube it up. But this is the show where Sting fights the Black Scorpion in the main event. It's an awful match. And then he rips his mask off. He has another mask. And then the quote-unquote real Black Scorpion stands in the aisle where he likes, Sting, you've only defeated an imposter. I'm the real Black Scorpion. But this uh, this show is an interesting one. Okay, it's in a it's in a tiny little arena that's really empty. Okay, and uh, they've got the, a lot of space between ringside and the actual ring barricade, and like people run up before the matches to like high five, and then they run up after the bell rings and like are a standing only room type crowd. It gives the show a unique feel. Really stood out to me. Uh, Jr. and Bob Cottle are on the call. Uh, I, Jim, it's interesting that I'm I'm never actually saying anything, Jim, but uh, my voice can be heard quite a bit. Um, Bob Cottle, it, it, you know, we, we want to say thanks to all the men and women out there that are serving, and we made a lot of friends at some of the army bases we went to, Jim Ross. I don't know, man. I kind of can't stand Bob Cottle, okay? But Jim Ross is in unique form as well. Uh, he is just a machine. Uh, this show is a fantastic retro, has a trans- fantastic retro feel to it. You know, the the bumpers, the coming into the show, coming out of the show, they show the, the mountain graphic, and it's like... And, and each time, they have some unique text type across the screen, like, Call Sting! Don't forget Sting wristwatch night is at the Omni in like three weeks. You know, send a fucking post office uh, or a self-addressed stamped envelope to this address and we'll send you a catalog. You know, just all kinds of stuff. Up next, US, U.S. Heavyweight Championship. And then there's a fucking fantastic one at the end of the show, okay? Um, they're, they're hyping Sting versus the Black Scorpion, okay? And 
it says up next sting unmasks the black scorpion and i'm like whoa they're saying he's gonna do it and then an tarot bag came up the fucking square square god question mark exclamation point question mark and i'm like oh okay uh <laughs> they're they're pontificating let me know if i I'm sorry, my watch thought that I was talking to it, but it was just like, uh, it was funny. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Uh, this thing's like 12 matches long, too. Like, the show starting, and Jim Ross is like, oh, fans, we got like 12 great matches for you. It's going to be fucking two and a half hours of entertainment. And I'm like, wow, 12 fucking matches. But you know, it's 1990 WCW. They're going to pull it off, okay? It's got the great promo where after they do uh, the WCW Top 10, uh, Stan Hansen is interviewed by Tony Schiavone. He's like, Tony Schiavone's like, Stan and Larry and Hansen, uh, you know, you saw the top ten. How does it feel to be ranked number six? And he's like, six, six, and he throws a fucking tantrum. It spits tobacco everywhere on Tony Schiavone. And Tony Schiavone's like, all right, Jim Ross, let's get back to you. That man is disgusting. <laughs> Uh, and then he beats up Lex Luger during the U.S. Heavyweight title match, which is actually a really good match because every match before it really sucks, and these guys are constantly moving the whole time, and Luger's on full oh! mode, and Flair's in full, oh my god, oh, ah, that's, you know, those are Ric Flair things that he does, and it's a decent little match, it has a stupid finish. Uh, Sting versus the Black Scorpion's awful, but you kind of have to see it to believe it. Uh, Jim Ross, I'm afraid of the Black Scorpion. I, I'm not afraid to tell you, Jim Ross. Uh, Bob Cottle. And, you know, I, I didn't, like, write down the matches or anything like that, but I do, I do want to talk about a few things, so I'm stalling for time while I Google WCW Mountain Madness. Hey, it popped up, what do you know? Because I want to, I want to, okay, Southern Boys, the Fabulous Freebirds is the first match, all right? Unbelievable. Bob Cottle and Jim Ross, I don't even think they know what they're talking about. Uh, well, they know what they're talking about, but they're just... And this isn't something that I feel like... I mean, it's, it's a thing that didn't age well. But I feel like it's not that it didn't age well. It's that I can't believe they fucking even said it in 1990, all right? Because the Southern boys start getting fired up in the match, and Bob Cottle's like, The Southern boys are getting... Really heated up, Jim Ross. If General Lee would have had a couple of more like him, well, I think the Capitol would be in Atlanta. And Jim Ross is like, oh, you're right, Bob Cottle. Robert E. Lee could have used some boys like this or something like that. And and now, I know their argument's going to be like, well, if that was the, you know, if, if that's something we wanted. But it's like, the Wild-Eyed Southern Boys, and, and they come out with the fucking Confederate flag, and the Freebirds are decked out in it. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is insane. But I'm like, I don't, I'm going to give Bob Cottle and Jim Ross the benefit of the doubt and be like, well, those are kind of their characters, so that's why I'd say something like that. Uh, but at the same time, it's not really a, I don't know, it's just, it's just interesting. Um, I don't remember what happened in the match. I do know Captain Mike Rotunda fought the Nature Roy boy Buddy Landell, and the match ended with a goddamn backslide, and I said, shit, I don't know if I've ever seen a match actually end with a goddamn backslide. And you know what? It ended with the goddamn backslide. Tim Horner and Brad Armstrong took on the Master Blasters, okay? Brad Armstrong's the Candyman as well. And the Master Blasters are Al Green and Kevin Nash. Now, I love this because... I'm a big fan of the episode of Thunder that Kevin Nash hosts when he's uh, in retirement. Oh, glory knee drop, that whole thing. And 
Al Green is on that show, and Nash is talking about, like, Tanae calls him, and he's like, that's your first partner, Al Green. And he's like, oh, yeah, I, I tagged with that guy before I tagged with Scott. Yeah, yeah, he's a good guy. I'm so in love with you. And hey, that's what he does. But uh, the Master Blasters in this are a sight to behold. They're dirty. Like, they come out like they're from, like, their announcers being from Detroit, and they come out like they're dirty? Like they're grease monkeys? Hey, I like that term. <laughs> don't use that one. But, you know, it's like, and even Jim Ross is like, well, I don't know, these, these men are dirty. You know, Bob Collins, you notice these men are dirty? Well, Jim, I think they've been working all day. But Al Green is so bad in this. I'm not saying Nash is good, but Nash looks like a billion dollars compared to Al Green. Master Blaster Al Green misses some awful headbutts at multiple times in this match, including a huge one. Uh, the Nasty Boys won a match when Jerry Sags came off the top rope with an elbow. I was just blown away by that. Now, no 1990-ish WCW show is complete without an appearance from My Fire Tommy Rich. He's a former NWA champion, Jim Ross. He took it out Wild Bill Irwin, who had a whip. Right? The man had a whip, and he used it. All right. Now, uh, they we did the WCW Top 10. Okay. Uh, number 10, Nature Boy Buddy Landell. I can't believe that one. Number 9, Wildfire Tommy Rich. Well, it's 1990 WCW. has got to be here. Number 8, The Junkyard Dog. Number 7, Flying Brian. Number 6, 6, Stan Lariat Hanson. Number 5, Sid Fishes. Even though he's no more contender for Halloween Havoc. Right here, he's number 5. Number 4, Barry Windham, because he's a horseman. Number 3, Television Champion Arn Anderson. Number 2, Nature Boy Ric Flair. And, of course, United States Champion Lex Luger's number 1 World Champion is Sting. Now, the WCW Top 10s also went to the tag teams. Well, we've got Michael Turner and Tim Horner here. Uh, Junkyard Dog and El Gigante King. We just signed El Gigante to a contract. He's already ranked a goddamn number nine tag team. Number eight's Flying Brian and the Zeman. Number seven's the SSTs. Number six, the Fabulous Freebirds. Well, that's mean, got to mean number five, the Southern Boys, because they just beat them. Number four is the Midnight Express. Number three, the Four Horsemen. Number two, the Rock and Roll Express. And of course, the Tag Champions are Steiner Brothers, World Champions are Doom. Now, I'm doing the Jim Ross thing here, but I actually think it was Tony Schiavone that did it. So do I have to redo it? I can't take it. Women's Championship match between the Australian Susan Sexton and Bambi. I think Bambi might have been Jake Roberts' sister, unconfirmed. Uh, and I'm not looking it up. The match was very bad. And even Jim Ross is like, Bob Cotter, you don't see a lot of women's wrestling on TBS. And he's like, no, Jim, the sport. Well, it's really kind of left them by. The Steiner brothers took on Hunter and Silencer, the maximum overdrive. I don't remember this being like a Steiner murder match, unfortunately. Uh, Stan Hansen does murder the Zeman. Six! Uh, Luger and Ric Flair goes like a no contest because the Lariat interferes. And uh, the Black Scorpion uh, loses the sting. And that's the whole thing. Oh, again, that rhymed. Getting pretty good at those things here on Week Speak. What else did I watch? Oh, I watched the goddamn episode of WCW Thunder that took place after the... where where Booker T wins the San Francisco 49ers match, because I did that on WCW Must Die, uh, because I had Stevie Ray on commentary. It also had a weird thing going on where Mike Tanay was pretty much being Mike Tanay, but he was kind of being a heel version of Mike Tanay. And I know that that doesn't make a ton of sense, uh, but, you know, it wasn't too bad. I'm going to pull that one up here real quick. Maybe just walk through it, see what remembers and springs into me old head. Now, fans, you don't know this, 
Although you might recognize a change in the audio, but what happened just there is I took a pause to actually pull up, you know, the results of the Thunder show I'm going to talk about. So I'd have some shit in front of me. It's still unscripted. All right. But I, I didn't want to miss anything because this one was unique. I also decided to rename the show to TNN's Weak Sauce. So that's the thing you're going to see when that happens. And all that happened in microseconds as I look this thing up. But it's the October 4th Thunder from the year 2000. And like I said, it's it's the day after, or the two days after, Booker T regains the WWE title in the San Francisco 49ers match with the four boxes, which is what Tony refers to it as. Booker T won the gold in the match with the four boxes! But uh, the show starts with Shane Douglas becoming best friends with the Natural Born Thrillers. Because Mike Sanders is still in charge of the show because Vince Russo can't be bothered to show up for TV. Must be nice. And an ongoing narrative throughout the show is Stevie Ray is on commentary. But the WCW committee, according to Stevie Ray, just the WCW committee, has told Stevie Ray he can't get into any physical altercations or else he will lose his job. Aww. Jeff Jarrett starts us off with an interview where he starts a feud with Sting. By mocking Sting and saying that Sting isn't the guy that he used to be. He doesn't have the fire that he used to. And everybody in the back realizes that Sting just doesn't care about the business like he used to. And this is where today sort of starts to reveal this heel-esque character. He's like, I've heard that. Sources in the back. Tell me that Sting's a loser. You know, like, it's it's really strange. He's like, Giovanni's like, who told you that, Mike, today? Sources. Sources have told me. Uh... Jeff Jarrett is then interrupted by Beetlejuice, okay, from the Howard Stern Show, who also appeared in the San Francisco 49ers match. I think Tony Schiavone has tried to promote Beetlejuice's stuff, but it's like, it's Beetlejuice from FreakyDwarfs.com, which I hope is a website that Beetlejuice owned and operated, and uh, I don't know where it will send you now, but be aware of that. Beetlejuice, in his patented... Beetlejuice Superman armor, because he's wearing a padded suit that makes him kind of look like Superman. He has a microphone, God help us, and he randomly yells, Superman rules! Superman rules! And that's fine. I like Superman, too. We'll talk about him a little bit later. Uh, They do get into a physical confrontation where Jarrett uh, puts his hand against Beetlejuice's head to keep him at arm's length, and Beetlejuice is throwing fists, and Stevie Ray's like, Oh, look at him go. Left, right, left, right. Combination punches. Of course, he's he's punching the air. Booker T's watching the back like, man, suckers got to know I can't let this go on. Scott Steiner beats the shit out of him with a pipe. Sting rescues Beetlejuice, but then the franchise comes out of the arena, like dressed as a Sting fan, and attacks Sting with a pipe as well. And Beetlejuice gets put in the figure four. We had to do a commercial. We come back. Hacksaw Jim Duggan gives a speech about how awesome Canada is. He's like, Your United States flag is stupid. It's got 50 stars. That's accurate. This is today. It's got wavy lines going everywhere. Those are the bars. It's just really ridiculous. The only thing of note here is he beats Sergeant AWOL with a little help from Reno of the Thrillers and a table. But the whole match, Hacksaw's wrestling in a Canadian shirt, and some red workout pants. But his USA bloomers are hanging out of his ass the entire time, 
letting us know that the character of Hacksaw Jim Duggan is still rocking the U.S. of A., and it just goes against the Canadian character. So, Hacksaw, get yourself some black tights out of storage and wear them under your red workout pants, because your red, white, and blue bloomers are betraying the gimmick. Scott Steiner beats the shit out of his own locker room with a pipe. Lots of pipe action here. We got steel pipes, lead pipes, crack pipes, warp zone pipes. Mario, what can you tell us about the warp zone pipes? Oh, it's me, Mario. If you want to go to the end of the show where Jeff Jarrett beats up a sting, jump in right to here. Woo-hoo. And of course, the sound dips away because Mario goes down the warp pipe. That was more transformer than warp pipe. But he's beating the shit out of his locker room with a pipe, and Medeja's like, Poppy, what are you doing? And Steiner's cool. He's like, oh, I'm just letting down some steam, babe. Like, Steiner's not angry at all. He's just like, yep, just getting it out here. Just This is what the doctor told me to do. It's a little bit of pipe therapy. And she's like, don't worry, Scotty. I've got an idea for you tonight. And she leaves, and he's like, all right, babe, sounds good. It just continues to murder his own possessions with a pipe. Pamela Paulshock interviews Stig to talk about Jeff Jarrett and their impending match at Halloween Havoc. Sting calls Jeff Jarrett Little Slappy Jeffrey to begin the interview. I thought that was worth noting. Mike Sanders comes out to talk about Bill Goldberg and Halloween Havoc. See, Mike Sanders is trying to end the streak because Vince Russo is trying to end the streak. The second streak, I might add. And he's like, oh, I booked a really good match for Halloween Havoc. But he's interrupted by the Chronic. Chronic. Brian Crush and Brian Baum. Now they come out and they go to chokeslam Mike Sanders. They go so far as to lift Mike Sanders, who looks feared in the air, about to chokeslam him. And then they gently put him down. It's a swerve! Because Mike Sanders has booked Goldberg versus Chronic for the main event of Halloween Havoc, because Chronic will end the streak. And this is where Chronic sort of starts their breaking necks and cashing checks gimmick. Yes, just stealing and lifting from the APA, but that is not so much the main event of Halloween Havoc, but it is the last match at Halloween Havoc. Lance Storm and Elix Skipper uh, give a promo in the back, and Lance Storm tells Elix that tonight the Team Canada has a rematch against Mike Sanders for the Cruiserweight title because Elix lost it to him on Nitro. But Storm is going to go ahead and take the match, and Elix is going to just have to stand there like a bitch. And so he does. Now, the Young Dragons come out, and then it's revealed that Medeja worked with Mike Sanders to book this match because there's a segment where he's where Medeja's like, Mike, Scotty just needs some fresh meat. And Sanders is like, yeah, Medeja, I could use some fresh meat too. But this is the fresh meat matchup. Scott Steiner beats all of the Young Dragons at one time in a handicap match. He no-sells everything. And the whole time on commentary, today and Shivati have to hold back Stevie Ray from getting into a fight with Steiner. It's pretty funny. Then, in the Natural Born Thrillers locker room, Conan, our good friend Conan, has come to talk to Mike Sanders. But wouldn't you know it, there seem to be some problems with Conan's immigration papers, and the Border Patrol shows up to take Conan uh, and reprimand him, I guess. Now, this is hilarious. Why? Because there's some really bad acting. But two, and more importantly, Conan 
is talking to the Border Patrol guys, and Conan's like, hey, it's cool, I'm a U.S. citizen, I have my passport in my locker room, because we're about to head to Australia after this show. And it's true, because the whole show Tony promotes for the next two weeks, Nitro and Thunder, will be down under! But Conan is like, hey, it's real simple, I need to leave this room to go to my locker room to get my passport, so I can show you that everything checks out. The folks from the Border Patrol are like, we're sorry, we can't let you leave this room until we see the papers. And that seems to check out. You know, you, government agencies always have nonsense like this. It's like, oh, it's real simple. Yeah, you can, you're free to go as soon as you give us $1,000. And it's like, cool, I have to go to the bank to get the $1,000. Well, I'm really sorry, you, you can't leave that. You know, they're just, the solution is right there. Conan is like, it's one room away. It's like, eh, I can't walk with you into that room. You have to stay in this room and produce your papers. It's like, well, am I just supposed to carry them on me? Well, sir, that's not our problem. No, you know, it's just, it's just that's the way it works. You know, you go to the DMV. It's like, I need a new driver's license. All right, uh, I need to see your driver's license to prove who you are. Well, I'm here because I lost my driver's license. Okay, sure. Uh, just show me your driver's license. We'll get you a new one. Well, I, I lost my... Oh, that's fine. Sir! Sir! Sir, you need to calm down. I understand what you're telling me. Just show me your driver's license. We'll get you a new one. Stevie Ray debuts an interview segment called Suckas Gots to Know. And he stand-up interviews Lex Luger, who is in the crowd. Luger, according to him, is not an active member of the roster. He's like... Oh, Stevie, is this a sanctioned interview or a non-sanctioned interview? Because, you know, I don't work for WCW anymore. And Stevie says, Lex, this is between me and you. Tanae adds, and the suckers. Stevie then corrects himself and says, Lex, this interview is between me and you and the 5,000 people watching at home. He asks Lex why he's been helping out Vince Russo and why he turned his back on General Rection. Lex is talking, but Tony can't help himself and correct Stevie. Tony's like, well, Stevie, there's 5,000 people watching in just one house. There's actually 3 million viewers watching Thunder. But General Rection attacks Lex Luger because apparently Luger betrayed him at a date earlier. There appears to have been a WCW backstage assault. Because WCW Backstage Assault is hyped up a lot on this show. But also, Ray and the Juice, that being Ray Mysterio, and the Juice have been taken out by the franchise in a baseball bat. Conan arrives on the scene and he's like, I'm sorry, I got distracted, I let you down, but don't worry, I got a plan to take out these cranberries. Elsewhere in the arena, that 70s guy, Mike Awesome, has found himself a protege. It's Crowbar, and he's got Crowbar dressed up like a 70s pimp, a la Huggy Bear. Now, when Crowbar first emerges from the locker room, Tony Schiavone says, Is that Crowbar? Stevie corrects him, No, that's Fred Sanford, Tony. Tanae adds, Fred Sanford? Well, that's Crowbar with Mike Awesome. The little Thunder logo hits, and we're fading to black for a commercial. But <laughs> Tony Schiavone is agitated that Tanae has pointed out the obvious, and as they're fading to commercial, he says, we know, Mike. I just don't know if it was supposed to be heard, because it's not closed captioned, but it's pretty fucking hilarious. Lance Storm comes out and does his whole stand for the Canadian National Anthem. Stevie Ray refuses to stand. 
on commentary during the anthem, they're like, Stevie, why aren't you standing? It's a country of 25 million people, Tony. Where I come from, that's a state. Tanay admits he's only standing so he can get a better look at Major Guns. That's not a bad idea. Tony then stands on his chair to get a better look and says, Yow! The Canadian National Anthem plays for quite some time. The announcers, much like myself, assumed that the natural-born thrillers would come out and interrupt the anthem, but they're heels, so they don't interrupt the anthem. Tony says, We're going to play the entire anthem this time? We must be uh, really short or something. I kind of pop for that. This, the anthem ends with the classic lyrics, We stand on God for thee. But the anthem has no lyrics in the arena. So at the very end, Mike today goes, For thee. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Sanders and Storm is the match for the Cruiserweight title. In the contest, uh, Lance Storm hits the Canadian Maple Leaf half Boston Crab on Sanders, and Major Guns does the Montreal screw job by ringing the bell when Storm has the crab on. Now, Major Guns is in Team Canada against her will, so she's ringing the bell to distract Lance Storm. Uh, the announcers are confused as to what happened. They eventually figure everything out. Stevie explains, Tony, she put those maple leaves in the bell guy's face, and he gave her the hammer, and she rang the bell. The match is not over officially, but then General Rection interferes, and Lance Storm loses, and above average Mike Sanders remains the cruiserweight champion. Mike Tanay then has a sit-down interview with the MIA, all of them. It's in an empty arena, and they're desperately trying to make General Rection Mick Foley. Tanay's like, General Rection, blah, 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 blah. And Rection's like, oh no, he says Bill DeMott. He's like, Bill DeMott, at Halloween Havoc, you go for the United States Championship. And he's like, Mike Tanay, address me by the name that was thrown upon me, and that's General Rection. So it kind of makes it sound like he doesn't like the name because he says it was thrown on me. He talks about his time as Hugh Morris. And, and, and you know, Mike Tanay, people always said I have potential. What is potential? Is potential when I go home and I can't lift my daughter because I've given everything for this business? It's just really pathetic. It's a really sad attempt to make him Mick Foley. Because they kind of do a thing where it's like sometimes he's Bill DeMott, sometimes he's General Rection, sometimes he's Hugh Morris... And they goddamn let Corporal Cajun talk, which is a huge mistake as well. And it's just pathetic. Uh, the best match of the night is the Wild and Crazy Guys, which is what Mike Awesome and Crowbar call themselves. We're the Wild and Crazy Guys. They go for the tag titles against Jindrak and O'Hare. And it's easily the best match of the night. I lo- kind of love the natural-born thrillers, especially Sean O'Hare. Fucking so much could have been. Uh, but it is, it is a decent match. It's pretty long for Thunder. It's over 10 minutes. There's tables and stuff. I mean, I know that doesn't make it great, but on this show, trust me. Trust me. It's the best match of the night. Buff Bagwell comes to the ring to talk. If you'll recall on Nitro, he got kidnapped by David Flair because David Flair thinks that Buff impregnated a Stacy Keebler. Buff wants an apology from David Flair. David Flair arrives with a gentleman in a suit with a stethoscope. Uh, Tony, we got a man walking to the ring with a stethoscope. Is David going to choke him with a Tony? Uh, David Flair does apologize, kind of out of character. He then tells Buff Bagwell that he would prefer if Buff 
takes a DNA test right here in the ring. Can we do that? Uh, how do we know he's a doctor, Tony? He's got a stethoscope. Yeah, but he could be any quack, Martinet. The doc even gets some promo time when he explains to Buff how they'll give blood. It's real simple. I'll find a vein in your arms there and give you a little prick. Stevie laughs upon hearing the word prick. Buff is all like, what'd you call me? No, no, no. I said, I said I'd give you a little prick, not you're a little prick. Buff agrees to the DNA test. It looks like he's about to shoot some heroin on live tape TV. But Buff, right before he could be penetrated by the doctor, is like, oh, you know what? Uh, I forgot to tell you, I'm scared of needles. He slams the microphone onto the doctor's head. The doctor takes a back bump. What does this prove, Tony? What does this prove? The doctor, well, the gentleman with the stethoscope, unconfirmed of his doctoral status, goes again to get some blood and gets hit again and takes another back bump, and that's the end of that segment. The main event is the franchise versus Sting. It's awful. There's plunder, ref bumps, tables. Uh, The ending sequence sees Sting fire up on Shane Douglas and then do a flare flop. And they're like, oh, Sting has exhausted so much energy in this matchup. Jared hits him with a guitar. Franchise hits the franchiser. One, two, three. That's the end of that. (laughs) So that episode of Thunder is view at your own risk. But I fucking loved it because it was awful. And I really love bad wrestling. Um, Like a lot of folks out there, I listened to the Wrestling Warzone that covers December 2nd over on the North South Connection Podcast Network with JT and Chad. Um, I love how Chad flipped out on Raw because it was so bad. But the reason I bring it up specifically is that the uh, the Nitro they're talking about was from the Hera Arena in Dayton, Ohio. And I did watch a little bit of that when the Outsiders did commentary, and it was indeed hilarious. But it got me thinking because the boys were talking about Dayton, Ohio and how Dayton, Ohio relates to professional wrestling. And Dayton, Ohio is my home office. It's my home base for professional wrestling. I know they're going to Dynamite in a couple weeks. I looked up ringside seats, and they were like 500. I'm like, eh, I'm good. Because I'm at the point where I've been to so much shit, like random shit, that it's like, if I'm not going ringside, I don't really want to go. Because that's the one thing I haven't done. I haven't gone, I've never been ringside at anything. But I started thinking about, because Dayton, Ohio has three arenas, okay? And... It's true that WCW always ran Hera. Now, I've seen WWF house shows at Hera Arena, but that was in the early 90s. So there's there's three arenas. There's the UD Arena, where the University of Dayton Flyers play basketball. I don't think they've ever hosted wrestling. I've never been to wrestling there. And then there's the Hera Arena in Dayton. These are all in the suburbs. Uh, the Hera Arena doesn't exist anymore, okay? But it was definitely the lower of the arenas. Like, the UD Arena's nice, but they don't do wrestling there. So, the Nutter Center and the Hera Arena do wrestling. Hera hosted a lot of ECW shows and WCW shows. And I'm not trying to say anything about ECW fans or WCW fans or even those businesses. But Hera is the lesser of the two, and it doesn't surprise me that that's where WCW did their stuff. It really doesn't surprise me ECW because I'm sure it was cheaper. Because WWF established a relationship with the Nutter Center, which is where I go. And, you know, they had King of the Ring 93 there. It's a newer arena compared to Hera, even though Nutter's kind of old at this point. And it's just nicer. And it doesn't surprise me that WWF got a foothold in the Nutter Center. But the whole point of this discussion is I wanted to share with you some stuff that I've seen. 
at the Nutter Center. Now, this is just a small sampling, all right? But I did see SmackDown episode 111, which was very fun to attend. It was shortly after 9-11, and it was during the throes of the invasion. Uh, I went with my uh, hurricane sign, because it was a huge hurricane mark, and I bought my WCW logo shirt there. It was a lot of fun. I saw, ladies and gentlemen, a title change. I saw the... And this is all on SmackDown 111, 925, or 927, 01. The WCW titles uh, changed hands because the Brothers of Destruction lost them to Booker T and Test. That's fun. I saw the Hardy Boys defeat Canyon and Rhino. I saw the Big Show defeat X-Pac. I saw RVD and Jericho in a hardcore match with Stephanie at ringside. That was pretty cool. I saw Ivory beat Molly Holly. And I think that's where the Hurricane interfered. Because the Hurricane does a run-in during this show. So I did see him. Uh, I saw Bradshaw and Christian in a no contest for the IC title. But the main event was historic. Because it was the first time in history that the WCW champion tagged with the WWF champion. History before my very eyes. When the uh, WWF champion, Kurt Angle teamed with the WCW champion, The Rock, to take on the Dudley Boys. Eh, like I said, history, so who really cares? On October 16th, 1999, I went to a house show. This house show is extremely memorable in the annals of my existence. Why? Well, I'll explain. And it all came back to me as I was reading this. So I saw this show, it's October 16th, 1999. In Dayton, Ohio at the Nutter Center, obviously. Now, the next day was No Mercy 99 up north in Cleveland at the Gund Arena. Of course, this pay-per-view contained the Terry Invitational Tournament, the latter match between the Hardys and Edge and Christian. I was not allowed to get this pay-per-view. Why, you might ask? Because I was grounded! Why was I grounded? Well, we'll get to that. So this show was Al Snow defeating Steve Blackman, Hardcore Holly defeating Mark Henry, Ivory defeating Luna and Tori for the women's title, Mankind defeating Val Venus, wow, no mercy one day early, Kane defeating Prince Albert, God help me, a four-way elimination match, Edge and Christian defeated the Dudleys, the Hollies, and the New Brood, which was the Hardys. Well, there you go. Uh, Gangrel defeated Sean Stasiak, Jarrett defeated the Godfather, wow, so I saw Jarrett right before he left. Road Dog defeated Jericho, and in the main event, the Big Show defeated the Big Boss Man. God help us all. I guess the A-Team was up north ready to go. So, why did I get grounded and miss No Mercy? Because after the house show, or the house show, me and all my buddies that went to the show with me, we went to a party. And a friend of mine was very, 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 very drunk and saw me briefly as I entered the party. And she's like, hey, Johnny C, how's it going? And I was like, I'm fine. You're drunk. When that girl went home that night, was taken home, I should say, by a sober driver, her parents were furious. Why are you drunk, young lady? I went to party with... with, I went to party with... I went to party with Johnny C. She must have remembered that I saw her for five seconds and blamed me. Her parents called my parents. I was grounded! And yeah, that's the whole story. It's stupid, but it happened. It, it, it's fun. The other thing I saw at the Nutter Center uh, of note 
was Sunday Night Heat episode 31, which was also a taping of Los Super Astros episode 16 and Shotgun Saturday Night episode 114. This was in February of 99. It was right before WrestleMania 15-ish. Uh, February 28th, actually, 1999. This is a world-famous episode of Sunday Night Heat. Why? Because it didn't air on TV. Oh, it aired on TV with little fucking bars on it and a scrambled picture. And uh, Terry Taylor and fucking Kevin Kelly on commentary being like, Fans, atmospheric conditions are presenting our sa- preventing our satellites from broadcasting. And it's true. There was a storm going on in Dayton, Ohio at the time. But people always remember Beware of Dog. They always do, and, I, and, it, and it makes total sense. Nobody remembers this, and damn it, I was there. Now, you can watch it in its entirety on the network, on Peacock, and it's hilarious because the whole time, Terry Taylor and Kevin Kelly are describing the action as if you're, you're impaired with your vision it's they're talking like they're on the radio they're like china coming down the aisle in a black sports bra with black wrestling trunks ivory wearing purple purple is a combination of red and blue <laughs> there was a little mike Tanay there but i saw the hardy boys defeat owen and jeff jarrett in a dark match to get us warmed up and then on heat ivory defeats jacqueline the undertaker defeats kurgan the gator the public enemy god help us defeat the hardy boys and I saw Triple H versus China. What should have been the WrestleMania 16 main event. I saw it live and in living color. And it ended in no contest. I'm not going to waste everybody's time talking about Shotgun and Low Super Astros. But it's the only episode of Super Astros I've ever seen. So, I guess that wraps up the uh, the Dayton, Ohio portion of the conversation. Uh, that's what I watched. I think that's all the wrestling that I watched, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it is. Now, I'm also adding TV that I watched into the conversation, so deal with that, because I didn't say it up top. Uh, Like a lot of people, and no spoilers here for The Last of Us, I've been watching The Last of Us on HBO Max. It's a really great show. I definitely think you should fucking start watching it before people are out there spoiling it. I know it's a game. I've never played the game. I have mad respect for video games. I know it's often touted as one of the best examples of video games as art. I believe it, because the show is fantastic. Um, I don't really know how to explain this, but they do a great job making me feel like I'm playing a video game. The best example I can give comes out of Episode 2. Again, no spoilers. It's a generic scenario. Our three main characters are trying to get through a building, and there's a door that's locked, and one of the characters is like, okay, I'll climb through a vent and go unlock it from the other side. You two stand here and keep guard. Sure enough, the third person crawls through the vents and disappears, and the other two stand guard, and some shenanigans happen. And I'm like, wow, this is a video game scenario, because I'm doing the shenanigans and fighting when the NPCs are unlocking the door. And then eventually, when the battle's over, the NPC will magically unlock the door and be like, oh, I'm ready now, because the battle's over. But it's done so intelligently and organically. Mad props to The Last of Us. Watch it. Or binge it when it's done in, like, eight weeks... But, you know, don't say I didn't warn you about spoilers being out there. The other show that I've been watching is also inspired by the North-South Connection Podcast Network. I don't remember what I was listening to or watching on YouTube. Um, It may have been the same. Oh, it was was the same episode of Warzone when Chad and JT were talking about the Jersey, Jersey Shore. I was thinking about MTV shows that I used to watch. And 
I didn't watch a lot. I watched Real World San Diego because my girlfriend at the time was super into it, and she lived in an apartment with three other girls, and they watched it. And so I was there, and I watched it, and it was pretty good. They also watched The Ashley Simpson Show. I did not watch The Ashley Simpson Show under duress, folks. I was a huge fan because, wow, it is living cringe. You think The Office is cringe? Okay. Watch yourself some Ashley Simpson Show, because I did. Just a few days ago, on YouTube, all episodes are available in their entirety, which is great because the music is cut. Uh, Because it really makes you feel like you're in 2005. You know, Ashley Simpson's sad and Puddle of Mud's like, Could you take it all away? Could you scarf it in my face? Explain it to me. But it's hilarious. This girl is insane. She's like, I love my boyfriend. And by the end of the first episode, her and her boyfriend are broken up. All the boyfriend does the entire episode is consume popsicles. Like, you just gotta watch it, Okay. I mean, if you've got 20 minutes to kill and nothing better to do, watch the first episode of the Ashley Simpson Show on YouTube, and if you find yourself chuckling, laughing, and cringing out at how sad she is, and how staged and pathetic this show is, keep going, because it only gets better, and that's why I keep watching it. I watched four episodes, I think I'm going to try to binge the entire thing, because like I said, they're on YouTube in their entirety. And, 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 you know, it it makes me laugh. It makes me chuckle. Now, the last thing we're going to talk about is what old Johnny C's been reading. And guess what? They're all comic books. So, the Lazarus Planet event is going on over at DC Comics. The Lazarus pits have exploded and they're raining down Lazarus juice all over the Earth. And a lot of superheroes are seeing their power sets change. I'm not liking it one goddamn bit. Okay? I'm sorry. I'm excited that Jonathan Kent is going to turn into the electric Superman like Superman was in, like, 97. But that's about it. I'm really not digging it. It's not interesting at all, in my opinion. And it seems really haphazardly put together. I'm also reading Action Comics. Action Comics is sort of rebranded, and it's now like a, a, a comic that stars the entire Superman family. And it's pretty good, because a Superman family runs deep. You got Superman, Superman John Kent, Supergirl, Power Girl, uh, New Superman, uh, Keaton Kong. You've got Steel, Natasha Iron Steel, Superboy Connell. There's just a lot of characters here, and they're really expanding the Superman family. So check it out if that interests you. Because it interested me, I started reading back issues of New Superman, uh, which is uh, Keaton Kong from China, and. I really kind of dig it. At first, I was like, this is really cheesy, and a, and, a, and it's not very inventive, because China has invents their own Justice League, and they have new Superman, they have new, uh, new Batman, new Wonder Woman, and I'm like, this, is, this doesn't make any sense to me. But I kept going, and I really appreciated how new Superman really has his own set of powers, and Keenan Kong, uh, or Kong Keenan, as they would say in China, is really becoming a favorite of mine. So... If you're looking for something to read that's, you know, you don't really need to be mired down in continuity, start with New Superman and, and work your way forward. See how far you can get. You might need to know that the New 52 Superman died, but, you know, you figure all that out. The last thing I'm reading is Jeff Johns' Justice Society of America. I'm really digging it because Jeff Johns has sort of worked out his entire corner of the DC universe that's all his 
that's basically a continuation of the plot threads that he's been dangling since DC Rebirth. And, you know, if you start with DC Rebirth, you go to The Button, and then Doomsday Clock, and then uh, Flashpoint Beyond, and then The New Golden Age, Stargirl and the Lost Children, and then this JSA, you really see this whole corner that Jeff Johns is working with. Now, the JSA series itself is kind of uh, going slow. I'm digging it, but it really needs to sort of start getting to the point. I'm going to stick with it. I'm not going to drop it. I love Jeff Johns. But, uh... As it stands now, the two issues are like, eh, the Golden Age special is tremendous. The whole little pocket, everything I just listed in order. If you're into comics at all, you should give it a shot. There's a lot of there's a lot of continuity and stuff going on here, but, you know, Wikipedia is a real thing. You can probably work your way through it. And I know comics isn't everybody's favorite thing, so I'm just going to put a stamp on that. But, folks, I think, I think we've done it. I think we've completed... TNN's first episode of Week Sauce, because that's what I've been up to this week. And I explained why I haven't done a new show. New content will come. You know, this is new content, obviously, but I'm going to keep new stuff coming. The, the you know regular shows will resume, but I don't know. If this gets a positive response, maybe it's something uh, I'll keep doing, because it allows us to talk about a lot in a short amount of time. And I have really bad ADD, so it's perfect for me. But is it perfect for you? The only way to let me know is hit me up. Hit me up on available on Twitter at the Johnny C. Subscribe to the new TNN podcast feed so you get notified when new content drops. And folks, I'm out of here. I'm Johnny C. A winner is you. Put some of that weak sauce on pizza. I bet it's pretty good. Just don't put ranch on pizza. It's fucking gross. It makes me want to milk. <laughs>